0: I'm sort of paranoid. There's an army of slugs trying to take over the world and my brother's one of them. I control them. You ever hear this saying that human beings are reluctant to change? I guess they've never met any of my friends before. If you want to save the world, you have to change. When it comes to the Yerks, all we know is that they're trying to destroy us. Everyone we know and our planet. But we're a threat to them. Five teenagers. I know my friends and I can save Tom. I'm gonna use Elfanger's gift. The power to morph. I realize what's at stake here. It's the total ruin of our planet by the Yerks. And it's scary. Every time I do something, I get a little stronger and I get smarter. I'm scared too. But fear doesn't stop me because I'm more afraid of what will happen if I don't do anything. And when I morphed into the tiger, you know, I wasn't afraid for a second. No Yirk was going to stand in my way. Feeling like the tiger has changed me, you know, made me confident, stronger. I'm not as afraid anymore. Welcome to ThoughtSpeak, Megamorphs episode number one, a podcast dedicated to the discussion of the first special event title in the 1996 book series Animorphs. My name is Coleman. And my name is Mitchell. And tonight, on a very special ThoughtSpeak... Special guest, Newfound Glory. I wish Newfound Glory was here. I've never listened to Newfound Glory that much.
1: Oh, well now this is an odd start to this <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what I was hoping. But uh, uh but okay, so for anyone, if this is your first time listening to our podcast, I'm so so sorry. Because <laughs> This
1: this episode's gonna be off the hook, off the walls.
0: This is like an after dark episode of our podcast, in the sense that we're throwing the format out the window, although it'll be pretty close because we don't have that great of a format. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, so we're, we are we're, we are reviewing uh, not a normal book in the series. I mean, it kind of is, but it's uh, a very strange book and very strange thing for any kind of book series. It's a kind of an off kilter to the side. You know, I don't even know what to call it. They I call mean, it a, a they call it a companion series. Yeah, a, co- a companion series called Megamorphs to the normal series Animorphs, and uh, we're reviewing book one tonight, and it's big. And everybody's in it.
1: And obviously there's a reason why we're doing this, because the book itself is set between books seven and eight. I don't know why they didn't just include it in the canon, but I guess that's that's what a
0: Megamorphs thing is for. I mean, it is. It's it's in the canon. They reference it in the next book. So. Yes, yes,
1: exactly. And, you know, it's it's really just an excuse for the authors to do a book that jumps around between every character.
0: Yeah, which is great. I'm all for it. It's just weird. So can you think of any other book series that does anything remotely like this? Um, I don't you could say the Ender
1: series has a couple uh betweener books.
0: Yeah, but they were written after the regular series for the most part.
1: I don't know, man. You were asking for an examples. So I gave you one.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's those are that's a weird series in general, but I mean, I've never seen a book This would be like, uh, I guess the closest thing I can kind of think about is the Harry Potter series, where they released two, I don't know, library books from the library at Hogwarts. Oh, no, I don't think
1: that that doesn't count. That's not like a a story.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is straight up
1: a, a story involving all the exact same characters, and it's even included in the canon of the series. It's just, it's just a special book.
0: That's weird. I think I think maybe it was a, a sense of you know, kinda like what mega franchise movies are doing nowadays with spin-offs and stuff. I think they they were at the height of their popularity. They were pushing book seven, sales were through the roof, scholastic book fairs were selling out left and right, kids killing each other to get hold of these. And <laughs> and they were like, Okay, well let's do something bigger and Are they more expensive? Uh I doubt it. Mine no, nope.
1: mine still says four ninety nine. I think that's how much they all are. I'm not sure. Really,
0: mine says three ninety nine US. What? Mine's four ninety nine US. Hmm. Animorphs, Megamorphs number one, the analyzed gift, gift, three
1: ninety nine. <laughs> Interesting.
0: I bet mine's like a first edition, and yours is like later when they could make more money off of them. Uh,
1: that's a possibility. I don't know. Somebody probably knows. Does yours still have the decal inside?
0: If by decal you mean screen print for a T-shirt.
1: It says free animorphs decal inside or on the very back. On the back, it says that. It's a decal, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, mine says that too. And I'm I'm looking at it right now. It's one of the it's one of the t-shirt screen prints. I could go make an Animorphs t-shirt right now. So could I. <laughs> well, bully for us, aren't we the cool kids?
1: No, because we'd be doing it the shitty old-fashioned 90s way with iron-on <laughs> t-shirts. When you know you could just I'm hop online s- and make <laughs> make it custom through some website. I'm gonna
0: scan. I'm gonna scan mine into my computer and then jump on Zazzle and make a screen print out of the screen print. <laughs> so, okay, well, we're not gonna have much more banter than that. I think we're gonna jump straight into the episode. So, I don't know if we're gonna have a normal segue here or what. Maybe we'll do something cool and different. Who knows? You're listening to it right now, so you're about to find out. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Hey, easy, easy,
1: easy, easy. <laughs> What the hell happened to you, Otis? Poison ivy out back, maybe? Where is she? No, they're not my parents. They're trying to trick <laughs> you. <laughs> the worms
0: are in their brains. All right, look, uh, y'all stay right there on the spot. I'm going to call the paramedics to come help you, and uh Kylie's going to come with me. Hey there, killer!
1: <laughs> the back of the book reads, We never should have done it, but we needed a break. You know, some time off from the superhero stuff. A chance to act like normal kids. Well, as normal as four kids who can morph, a hawk, and an alien can be, everything should have been cool. Now Rachel is missing, and there's this... this thing that's after us. But it's not up to me to tell the whole story. Tobias, Cassie, Marco, and Axe were there too. Even Rachel has some info to add. So go ahead and check this out. And remember not to tell anyone what we're about to tell you. it could mean the difference between life and death mega spooky
0: wait so according to that, this is the first book where they're all together during the event of the book because I'm pretty sure in every single other book they've all been together
1: no no it, he sa- it, it says but it's not up to me to tell the whole story
0: why what's so special about this one Jake <laughs>
1: Because it's a Megamorphs book, Coleman. He can't just come out and say that.
0: No, I choose to believe that in this in this world that they've created, uh, they all just found out that they were all keeping diaries of everything. Yeah. So they're like, shit, I don't want to write the whole thing down. Ship to Marco.
1: <laughs> that could very well be it. I want that book. Where they're exchanging <laughs> diary notes.
0: Oh. <laughs> Cassie and Jake really do like each other, <laughs> as reference on page forty-seven of Cassie's war journal. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh,
1: so, as obviously as we're, we're we're mentioning here, this is an everyone book, and that is how it's going to differ. So, uh, how this is going to work is each chapter takes place um, from the the POV of a different character. And um, a lot of the scenes kind of roll together into one. So I think what we're going to do is kind of just describe each scene sort of broadly.
0: That'll probably be the easiest way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll get into the details of things that are interesting. And just, it's going to be pretty similar to how we do our normal stuff. But I think we're going to, I think this is going to end up being one episode.
1: Oh yeah, I, I would hope so. Let's see. Um, we start out this book just like so many books before it with, <laughs> with a mega recap. Uh, <laughs> and this is jake setting the scene here and everyone's gonna add a little bit of recap as the at least for the first couple of chapters but um of course uh starts out like so many other stories and in cassie's barn and uh we just get this nice little opening dialogue between the crew where rachel's kind of bummed out about having to leave town to go on this uh gymnastics camp thing for 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 two days i guess it's a weekend gymnastics Mm -hmm. camp and, um, I guess, you know, everyone's just trying to, to calm her down and encourage her that she should be able to go and do this and not have to worry about, you know, saving the world.
0: And uh, real quick, I'm just going to put this out there. I don't know if it's actually true, but I'm going to make a guess that this is the last reference in the entire series to Melissa Chapman.
1: It, it very well could be. I was thinking <laughs> that myself, too. Yeah, uh, Rachel does drop the little nugget of, oh, Melissa's not going or going. I can't. Was Melissa going? I don't know. <laughs> These are the
0: mysteries that will be resolved on Megamorphs episode number one.
1: Uh, well, I could probably look it up, but I don't want to look through the pages. These are the mysteries that won't be resolved on Megamorphs episode <laughs> one. Uh, yeah, so either way, uh, last, probably last instance of Melissa. We'll see. Look out for her throughout the rest of the series.
0: I can only hope that she's just she dies on the way to camp. <laughs>
1: Uh, I hope she's a key character later on, really.
0: (laughs) You keep saying that about everybody. I think she could have her own book. There's controllers who have already died that you think are going to come back later in 47 or something.
1: (laughs) Hopefully. Um, Let's see. Jake uh, Jake is pretty adamant about, you know, the team has been really working together and and banishing evil aliens. And uh, he just wants everyone to have a nice, calm, collected spring break or uh, summer break, I guess. And uh, this is when Marco drops a little piece of information about a pool party that he wasn't invited to, even though everyone else was.
0: <laughs> and I think this is, uh, I mean, he, Jake even says here that, you know, they've had their first real success with the whole destroying of the Kandrona uh, device. And that's the reason for taking any kind of break. I mean, they they take this pretty seriously, but they've hit them hard and, i may i don't know if jake's hiding the fact that maybe they actually just need to stay stay low in general because they've they're probably under more scrutiny than they've ever been before it could be i i think
1: maybe they also just want to sit back a little bit and see if there's any you know results from their or candrona smashing
0: or you know what maybe darlene's pool parties are just really sweet i don't know (laughs) either way uh marco's not
1: invited because i guess he's uh kind of been a little bit of a dick in the past <laughs>
0: past present future uh well
1: yeah as as evidenced by what he goes and does but um uh we have uh cassie and jake disappear outside for a little bit to do some hey whoa, as they call it in the country
0: as the kids call it
1: uh, yeah and then uh, you could, maybe you could explain this a little bit better for me cassie mentions how she's she's got a bad feeling and she's been having some bad dreams and I'd like to think it's a little bit more than just you know the entire team has been having bad dreams obviously since the whole get-go but um Cassie in particular and throughout the rest of this book has some weird uh instances of that and and I just wanted to get your opinion
0: on that that's weird because it doesn't lead to anything. Yeah, exactly. Specific.
1: It it seems like they're trying to set something up similar to uh, Jake's vision of Krayak in in a previous book, and it doesn't really go anywhere. At least in this book.
0: I mean, as I mean, maybe they're setting up future Megamorphs books, if you know what I'm referencing. But it does seem like Cassie is just in tune with something that <laughs> she's very else in is tune like. with the plot. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I mean she. It's it's revealed throughout the series that something about her, uh, she's almost got like I mean she's the closest thing we have I guess to like a telepath in the Animorphs universe. Like yeah, dude, fly, she talks to whales. <laughs> yeah, well, they all talk to whales. That's just that's just normal everyday life. No,
1: it's mostly Cassie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, like anytime they go to another dimension or they're time traveling or something is off. That's been changed by Crayac or Lee Limas, Cassie feels it. She has dreams about it. She's in tune with it. So she's something. I don't I don't know. I don't know if it's just referencing that more or if it's something else. But uh maybe it was an early rewrite where that had to do with the plot more and then they took out you know, whatever big thing that led to, but they kept all the little instances well, of it. I don't know. It's it's
1: almost possible. Uh, I I think that maybe she was originally planning on having Cassie be kind of like a seer, like the the Hork, Bajar, Hork Bajir, I know are are really into psychic stuff like that, aren't they? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Toby and stuff later, but yeah, maybe maybe that does lead somewhere in a book we just haven't read yet. Maybe, oh, maybe oh, yeah, that's actually entirely weird. possible. Well, she's not using any of her psychic powers in the end of the series, so. I
1: don't know. What's up. <laughs> maybe, unless in the very end she knew to stay off that spaceship. <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe this is a maybe this is actually a Japanese series. And if there's anything I know about Japanese storytelling, it's you got to have psychics and you got to have vampires, and both of them are in suits.
1: Man, I can't wait for the Animorphs book where they battle vampires. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Psychic vampires.
1: Uh, okay, so moving on here. Uh, the next scene is we get a, a nice little uh, Rachel recap as she's heading for the uh, bus early in the morning to go to gymnastics camp. And Rachel is just a character who is so incompetent she can't even get on
0: a freaking school bus without giving herself amnesia. Yeah, we, we <laughs> give Cassie a lot of crap, but Rachel's just dumb. She's <laughs> just a dumb character. <laughs> she's brave. She's amazing. She's, you know, strong. She's a great fighter boy. But she is dumb as rocks.
1: Well, you know what? I can see I can see her <laughs> her point here. I mean, she decides to go check in on Tobias one last time before leaving for her camp because she points out she's got an hour or something before the bus comes. Um and you know, that's obvious, a little bit of character relationship building there between her and Tobias, which is always a thing. Um, it's just that, yeah, she morphs eagle and and starts flying through a forest and, uh, I guess doesn't (laughs) realize that she's flying by a a blue jay nest.
0: Yeah, and I, I, you could chalk it up to confidence. I mean, they've just had a big victory, she's already, uh, overconfident as part of a character trait of hers already, so... Why worry about, you know, birds or nature doing anything to her? She's fought yurks.
1: Well, yeah, she's pretty badass, and um she probably is not... Tobias is constantly pointing out throughout the series, when, when others join him in bird morph, he's constantly pointing out all the other predator birds that are in the area, and he knows to steer clear of them. But, yeah, Rachel, that's probably the last thing on her mind when she's going to visit her bird boyfriend. It is. And gets mobbed by a... a a mob of blue jays
0: it is nice to have that follow-up to the last few books in particular that have warned about how dangerous earth is and nature and and when you're in these morphs you have new enemies and and you're part of a new food chain that you don't realize as a human so that is that is good that they follow up that with this book
1: (laughs) right well regardless we get we get rachel slamming into a tree And uh falling unconscious to the ground.
0: Going unconscious is never a good thing in Morph. There's just (laughs) that's the way to stain in whatever you are. So Marco takes over gloriously. I mean this is whenever Marco is written in the books, it's like Robert Downey Jr. in the Iron Man movies. (laughs) Everything just gets better. Like even the writing here, it's hilarious and clever. I wanna read a little excerpt here. Um Marco is describing the other animorphs, and he's he's talking about the party he mentioned earlier, and and how he wasn't invited to it and stuff. But he does like a little description of his place within the animorphs, and this is what he says. He says, "I'm the smart and cute one." No, seriously, Jake is the bossy one. Cassie's the nice one. Rachel is the stupidly brave one, and Tobias is a bird. That that's his description. <laughs> Doesn't even mention Mitch- Tobias is a bird. Tobias is a bird doesn't even mention axe <laughs> oh that's a good
1: point yeah he he didn't mention axe at this point point. and actually i think that's because axe hasn't officially been declared added to the team just
0: yet they're doing that very specifically too like i always thought it was just a oh he's new whatever but they are specifically saying we're the animorphs and then axe is here
1: and uh, yeah as you're saying i mean this is uh, a great scene awesome dialogue whenever you get marco and acts together it's it's hilarious throw in tobias as well because tobias kind of plays the straight man a lot of times
0: yeah except he's, <laughs> he's getting a lot more humor uh, i think she's i think the writers are getting comfortable with his character more yeah
1: tobias he, well he's probably gone through the most you know character development so far and he i think he started with some of the least character development in book one
0: yeah his kid who got bullied yeah basically now he lives a complex life as a bird in a world being invaded by aliens I mean, can't get it more complex than that
1: right well we've got marco trying to convince axe uh to, to to assist him on this noble mission to uh darlene's pool party that he wasn't invited to and i love axe's reaction he says uh i sense that maybe this is a dishonorable idea <laughs> and this is when we get tobias showing up to to play the straight man and and try to dissuade axe from joining marco on his wacky shenanigans and um (laughs) another another key uh plot development here is that marco has has been bribing axe with uh flea powder (laughs) because as it is uh hanging out in the cassie's forest for so long axe has developed fleas
0: (laughs) yeah he he, what does he describe it as like uh ancient human uh you know magic or medicine or something like that oh
1: yeah yeah. a very rare he says a very rare medicine (laughs) is the (laughs) flea powder and uh already
0: this book is hilarious like really funny
1: it's it's definitely starting out strong um we get we get uh uh, tobias despite being against marco's plan and Axe's involvement tobias brings him a mouse to morph because this is what marco's requested of him for the plan (laughs) oh
0: yeah because he thinks marco's an idiot so he's like not only is he helping them, but he's, like, keeping watch without telling them. And
1: Oh, yeah, uh, he's definitely, <laughs> like, watching over him. you know, very concerned. But for some reason, he's going <laughs> along with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. He knows that he doesn't have a lot of power as a hawk to stop Marco and anything. A, him and Marco aren't the best of friends. So it's not like he can persuade him all buddy-buddy-like or whatever. No, yeah. Yeah, and Axe is just, you know, he's backed up against the wall because, damn, dude flees.
1: Honestly, Marco's probably... A little bit closer to the guys who would be bullying Tobias.
0: Oh, yeah. 100%. Really, in a, in, a, in a real
1: high school situation.
0: Well, no, I'll, I will give Marco credit in this. He just wouldn't pay any attention to Tobias. He would be the guy who completely ignores him. Like, he doesn't even see him walking down the hallway. I don't think he's the type of guy who would be pushing him around the
1: bathroom. No, 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 no. I, I just mean but you Tobias, know, funny guys like that like to make to, jokes at others' expense.
0: Yeah, but Tobias, yeah, oh, he would when he's with his friends away from Tobias, but and he, he would not even see Tobias as part of his existence. That's, <laughs> that's who Marco is.
1: Oh, and, um, Tobias, despite, you know, how usually intelligent he is, um, he gives, he gives Marco an X, his little predator spiel warning and mentions that he sees, he saw an Eagle get attacked by blue jays this morning.
0: Yeah. And we won't freak out about this every time. Uh, But this is the beauty of this first Megamorphs book. I came into reading this book being like, oh man, I can't wait to get to the other Megamorphs books. Because this one is just, oh, it's just, you know, giant storm of stupid aliens chasing them around the whole book. (laughs) This book is clever. It is incredibly, incredibly clever. And these mentions that are intertwining everybody's stories into each other, like this with Marco, like you said, uh, talking about the eagle who hit a tree, this happens constantly with every chapter change. And it's well done. It's not in your face. It's just good writing. Good, good writing.
1: Yep. Somebody had a good outline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, my, my note on this scene is Marco and Axe have great banter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, very true.
0: It's weird. Uh, Axe is being written a little differently in this book where he's kind of like uh, the dopey alien who doesn't know about Earth stuff you know <laughs> yeah yeah well wait till the next book <laughs> yeah well he still plays that he just does it in his little uh diary notes
1: <laughs> yeah um we move on to of course the uh the pool party the big day um jake and <laughs> uh, jake and cassie are there they're lounging by the pool and enjoying themselves and um
0: they're having a great little scene i mean they're they're having a i think the only scene i can think of at least in this beginning where it's, besides, you know, their serious talks, it's Jake and Cassie kind of enjoying each other's company.
1: Yeah, that only happens, like, twice a book. So, I mean, we got to really... No, no, no. When they do this that. in other
0: books, maybe they'll have, like, a flirty ending line or something, but they're talking about the mission and Cassie's role in deciding something and blah, 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 blah. This, they're like, you know, like two war generals trying to relax at a normal social gathering that everybody else <laughs> is used to.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: I get the feeling that they are even before the i Norse thing they were already kind of awkward teenagers who don't usually go to these sorts of parties
1: well no and as evidenced by the fact that they're not really talking to anybody but themselves I mean they, they make a point of saying that everybody else is kind of up and partying and <laughs> I think they said some kids are dancing <laughs> they're like dancing they're swimming they're playing horseshoes I don't know um everyone's having a good time except for darlene who is uh screaming and running from some mice chasing her uh guess who that is
0: do you you really want me to guess because i read the book
1: Mm, you better
0: guess it's uh x and marco wrong oh well surprise (laughs) just
1: kidding uh yeah yeah marco and x the balls on them man because I I I couldn't morph mouse and put myself in an area where I'm surrounded by a hundred elementary school students, or I should say, high school students.
0: Yeah, you think the uh, smarter slash safer thing to do would just be, you know, maybe morph some seagulls and like poop on everybody or something.
1: There you go. That would that would be a great book. <laughs> but <laughs> I I want to
0: read that book.
1: Well, initially Marco's plan here was was more of a, a stealth operation he was going there to spy on darlene in hopes that you know secretly she was in love with him although it's pretty apparent she's not
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh uh, more importantly marco invents the idea of inception here
0: oh yeah with, <laughs> <laughs> yeah with a uh, thought speaking or, or attempting to thought speak yeah he, he, head. he
1: thought speaks his name to her and she'll just think that she heard it somewhere and then his name will be on her mind and she'll start you know, and freely discussing
0: and it 100% works. Uh, you know, 100% backfires. In form.
1: what <laughs> I said, a hundred percent backfires as she no, starts. I mean, it
0: works. It works in the sense that he says it so that she'll bring him up in conversation. And that's what she does.
1: Oh yeah. Immediately to start trash talking him.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: and this is why we have, uh, marco charging out at her and axe following along kind of stupidly (laughs) and right away jake and cassie know that it's quite obviously marco and and axe getting into trouble why else would there be two mice chasing darlene
0: yeah we get a great scene of wacky running around chasing after mice the mice chasing darlene coming back jake and cassie trying to save them from their own stupidness
1: (laughs) um Luckily, we get Marco and Axe are able to escape somehow and make it into Darlene's basement to uh, demorph. And this is when the, uh, the, the big bad of the book makes his first appearance.
0: This is when the plot appears above them.
1: A new challenger approaches.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, the roof of the house, and I, I guess the first story of the house, is ripped off and open and uh, just a huge, multi-teethed, razor-sharp blades everywhere. It's, uh, it's
1: like a big cloud of Well, locusts, no, no, in this almost. form, when
0: they first see it, it's in its actual form. They don't see it as a cloud at first. They see it when it meshes together and forms, like, tons of mouths and razors and everything else. Well, I, so,
1: I had no idea that there was a... I thought it was just always a big cloud of blades. No, when they,
0: uh, when they get together... Uh, it says they like you. Think of the uh, like you were mentioning uh, off the air in the last episode uh, that our our listeners did not hear. Uh, it, it's like the face from the mummy. Oh yeah, like, it, like they all come together and form a big face, and that's what. Except I think this is a little more intricate, and these these creatures are so small they can actually look like a real creature that's a single form.
1: Oh well, I'm sure in the I'm sure in the Michael Bay adaptation of. The Megamorphs movie, yeah, that, that'll that be what it does. No, that's
0: a, that's a great example. <laughs> I'm sure it would look really, really similar to some of the crazy giant monsters in the Transformers movies. Um, I think the third one had that big worm one with just tons of mouths and stuff. It would probably look really, really close to that. I just always imagined it as a big cloud. Yeah, and that's what it is. Like, like, like a fart cloud that
1: just keeps chasing them around.
0: 70% of the time, that's what it is. But whenever it locks onto somebody, it becomes this, you know... It
1: becomes the least efficient creature imaginable because (laughs) as soon as it shreds the entire house to get to Marco and Axe, it's like, well, guess I'll go and just leaves.
0: (laughs) Well, to be fair, that's because it's going after another morph. Yes,
1: and that's why it's the least efficient creature possible.
0: (laughs) Spoilers, it's chasing morphs. I think we'll find that out soon enough. But, I mean, the characters don't find that out until, like, the end of the book. But uh, (laughs) anyone reading this immediately knows... After the second time it happens, why why it's going after them? Uh, but I would like to say it's interesting if you think about it. So they morphed into mouse, okay, and it didn't come after them because this thing's pretty right. fast. It it can travel a long distance really quickly.
1: It it so, wasn't ready.
0: Yeah, yeah that's the an, an hour so, ago. <laughs> think of this from Visor Three's uh, angle. He's sitting on the blade ship. He releases this thing. And it immediately starts going after something. He must be giddy, like laughing to himself, like "I'm so smart." Blah blah blah. <laughs> huh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know where you were going with that.
0: I was going right there.
1: Uh, okay. Um, next, we get we 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 cut back to Rachel, and um, she's been she's been given amnesia um, because I assume having her go to gymnastics camp would have been much too boring for. a a part in this story
0: i want to read that book
1: (laughs) rachel's gymnastic camp weekend Um, yeah no uh she she wakes up and she's still kind of half demorphed because i guess her her last thought before she passed out was demorph demorph and now she's a half demorphed mess of human and eagle
0: she doesn't even know who she is and she looks down and she's got feathers I can't even imagine in this '90s soap opera scenario where she has amnesia. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine. What, I don't think I would react like she would react because her. I don't. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know how to react in that situation. Well, clearly, I I,
1: it, it was very selective amnesia because she obviously knew, you know, she's a human and what humans look like and how to become a human and. That's the part that gets me.
0: I. <laughs> I, all amnesia people are like that. They remember basic concepts, shapes, colors, you know.
1: Well, they, they say that, like that um she she kind of closes her eyes. And it's not like she's really demorphing. She just is closing her eyes and more so, like, hoping that she'll, when she opens them, she'll be human. So she's kind of, like, talking herself down and thinking, um this is all just a dream. And, and you know, I'm human. I'm human. And that's how she's able to demorph
0: yeah no no i get that it's, it's um, very
1: subconscious this book is deep man it's <laughs> so deep they gave her amnesia so uh, obviously uh, she's demorphing and this is the reason why the creature has has left marco an axe when he has him and comes after
0: her yeah it shows the, a little bit of in the intelligence this creature it's already easily fooled but it's uh it, I don't know. It's just not a very good... It seems like they could have built a machine or a robot to do something similar, which I think they do later on in the series. They built something similar, some tracking for morphing and stuff. But, yeah, it's it's not smart enough to really pull off its task it's been given.
1: Well, I guess the problem is when they finish the morph, it's they, they stop emitting this morph energy that it tracks, and I guess it goes stupid and it's like, oh, I can't see you now even though I I don't know why it wouldn't just remember where it, where the energy was coming from.
0: (laughs) As they explain later in the book, it's reason for chasing after morph energy is because it usually feeds on a certain substance or some kind of energy in the gas planets from. And if, if that was its entire instinct and its survival method of I've got to find this energy and then it finds it and the energy doesn't change. It doesn't stop being that energy so it then eats the energy so to chase after morphing energy even though it's been tricked to then go back to the blade ship to get its actual food um you know if it if it feels morph morphing energy and there's no morphing energy here why would it stay that just makes zero sense
1: (laughs) i don't know i guess i'm not really that big into uh cryptozoology but um no, it's
0: it's, it's <laughs> actually technically cryptozoology ah, it's a real thing yes. the study of fake alien species
1: <laughs> um we get another little instance uh like you mentioned of of just kind of showing the story from different perspectives and it actually hops back in time and shows uh you know the monster taking off from tobias's pov and this is Tobias has been reduced to little more than a sky cam. (laughs) That's what he is. Uh, we, we cut immediately back to the, the alien attack and Rachel is somehow able to, uh, run away from it through the forest, um, runs right across a busy highway, which is also conveniently located near the forest. And, uh, the, the alien happens to collide with a Ben and Jerry's ice cream truck. And then it just kind of, and it just kind of dissolves away, and 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 leaves, I guess.
0: And this is when you're first getting the idea that this book is going after bigger events than all the other books. We, the scene in the house and this scene right here, uh, are fairly lengthy for action scenes in Animorphs' book, and both of them are things that in other books would have been like the big ending fight or something in the other books, you yeah, know, or, or some big crazy thing this is a totally different tone than the other books and, it's it's uh, it's a
1: lot more action and obviously since the book's longer we get more of it so it's it's just it's action-packed it is literally action-packed
0: yeah and besides a kind of silly uh villain with the villain is a v-leek or, or i say v-leek uh besides a kind of silly villain in the v uh, it leads to some pretty cool scenes of crazy action and crazy running away. Maybe a little generic, but
1: oh, dude, it it still it it deserves to be a movie. I mean, it does. Th- this it just screams summer blockbuster movie.
0: Especially after knowing these characters and reading them on the small scale and their personal lives and dealing with divorce and all that, uh, to then be thrown into an Avengers esque you know movie plot uh, <laughs> yeah. is is pretty awesome it's it's this was being done in 96 people before any of those type of movies where they build up to big events and stuff ever were done
1: exactly uh, oh man i I totally forgot to mention when we were talking about it earlier but uh i i just love how um kind of cheesy retro the uh the cover of this is Oh, with super the, cheesy character. with the four four squares kind of neatly lined up with the characters half morphed in each one
0: i think i think when Kay applegate came to the marketing department with this idea for a book they were just like uh i guess we'll put all of them on the cover and then <laughs> right yeah what are we gonna do for the inner cover bob uh all their hands but they're morphed oh they're, they're, they're like tiger hands and stuff oh yeah we got this
1: even better dude. yeah the the insert cover image um it just it looks like something out of the 70s the font that they use for the andalites <laughs> gift does. with the yeah. with the flying back it like
0: it uh, looks like it looks like the first star trek the motion pictures titles
1: yeah yeah it's <laughs> it's
0: pretty old school or like superman or something
1: after the monster magically disappears somehow we have rachel kind of <laughs> sauntering off into the forest again where she'll spend half the book and i know i said i know i said i wanted that uh rachel gymnastics camp book but uh (laughs) i can't help but wonder if maybe her going to gymnastics camp would have been a more interesting plot than her walking around the forest for half the book
0: it would have been interesting in the sense that maybe she was there and the monster did come after her
1: yeah totally i mean i could totally see rachel Running into some snobby cheerleaders at cheer... Or not cheerleaders. Some snobby gymnasts.
0: That actually would have been a better book.
1: And then, you know, trying to morph to freak him out. And then the valik comes and tears apart gymnastics camp. No, no, no murders no. children. No, 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 <laughs> no.
0: It would have been a better book if uh, nicks this whole amnesia plot line. Rachel gets to camp. And while they're all... You know, we're jumping between all the characters. While they're all dealing with the the V-Leak monster and, you know, morphing and doing all these crazy traps for it and blah, 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 and getting captured by Vision 3. We kept jumping back to Rachel at Gymnastics Camp where she couldn't morph. And it was Rachel, this battle-hardened warrior, dealing with snobby teenage bitches and just dealing with them in everyday life. That would have been great.
1: I want that book. Let's rewrite Megamorph's book one, adding in a new Rachel Plot. nope megawarfs number six
0: <laughs> rachel goes to camp that, burns it down
1: that'd have been awesome uh so after rachel disappears into the forest the team once again kind of regroups at cassie's house to talk about the crap that just went down
0: <laughs> yeah and they watch the news that we just saw happen with rachel
1: exactly wow some some quick newsmen I'll tell you that.
0: <laughs> they're on the scene they heard a ben and jerry's truck got hit so that's that's CNN's top story for the night.
1: It's awesome because, cause, uh, while they're watching this news footage of, of this, uh, highway destruction here, the, which, which the, the authorities are quick to point out that it was a tornado. That's what they're calling this. Village what creature. else are they
0: going to call it? I don't know,
1: Typhoon. It's typhoon season.
0: <laughs> Cyclone.
1: <laughs> there. I, I can't remember who it is, but somebody points out, Oh, Hey, I saw something go back. I think it was Marco. And, um, he says are are we recording this as if they're you know recording it in a VHS player and uh they they rewind the tape to find a little part where somebody who looks like Rachel is in the footage.
0: Yeah, and they they check up, you know, they they call Rachel's house and I think her sister Jordan picks up and you know she tells them that she's a camp.
1: She's yeah, like, yeah, Cassie calls. That's 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 what Cassie's good for.
0: Phone calls if <laughs> Tobias is... <laughs> need a
1: phone call made.
0: If, Tob- if Tobias is the Skycam, then uh
1: Cassie's their secretary <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was gonna say something better than that but now that works <laughs> yeah and we're back to Rachel
1: <laughs> and we're back um, Rachel's wandering around the forest thinking about you know life and the universe and everything but it's primarily um, who she is and why she was a freaky hawk creature or eagle creature Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) this is where um after wandering around in the the woods which boy they sure are plentiful with plot devices uh comes across (laughs) an old shack
0: Um, wow this is our 15th shack in
1: the series my note was there must be a lot of old shacks littering the forests in the animorphs world
0: yeah i mean they're dead useful they just build those things uh and then tear them down a little bit so they look run down. They, they build built them
1: specifically to abandon them, I think.
0: Yeah. For the <laughs> innors.
1: Well, Rachel thinks that this uh looks like a cozy place to spend the evening, maybe, I don't know. And uh decides to go inside. And this is where we're introduced to a very bizarre character. Um it's a strange woman who rambles on to Rachel about all of the clothing that she's she's amassed in her abandoned shed. I mean, there's 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 mountains of clothing. Rachel says
0: this is useful to Rachel because she woke up with amnesia, uh, wearing a leotard and no shoes. So, oh no, yeah,
1: yeah, she specifically says she wants to find a pair of shoes.
0: <laughs> Not only was that confusing, but very inconvenient.
1: <laughs> so Rachel uh, has a has a little uh, interaction with this crazy woman. And, um, kind of, I think she gives her a pine cone or something and tells her it's payment for some clothes.
0: Uh, Rachel manipulates this crazy lady, uh, pretty cold-hearted, if you, if I do say so. I mean, she needed some clothes and she didn't want to...
1: Well, dude, you gotta think, Rachel's a bargain shopper,
0: you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is her best bargain yet, a pine cone <laughs> for all the clothes she could ever want.
1: Yeah, and a pair of shoes. Well, I mean, it, it would have been the best deal ever if not for the, uh, crazy lady actually going crazy, er, and knocking her in the head, making her fall into the basement cellar. <laughs> oh, uh, other thing, she claims that Rachel's a yerk.
0: Yeah, so this is uh yet another instance of someone out in the wild, not not literally, but literally in this case, but another person in the wild who knows about yerks, obviously was a host at some point and is free. So maybe that's because the Animorphs can join a device, maybe that's because of something else. I don't know. It seems like the internet has a prevailing theory on this. You want to share that with us?
1: Yeah, uh, according to uh, Seropedia, uh, the most widely credited uh, theory as to who this lady might be is um, the first person that the Animorphs saved from the Yerkpool back in book one. Uh, if you remember, Cassie was mm-hmm. morphed as a horse and carried out one woman. And a lot of people seem to think that that's who this woman is.
0: So we here at ThoughtSpeak have a different theory. And honestly, both the theories, there's not a lot of evidence for either of them. But, I,
1: you know... Oh, I think there's hardcore evidence for ours.
0: I don't know. I, there's There's no substantiated evidence. There's no substantial evidence for either one. But... With all these them making a point of her having all these clothes, and the fact that she got away from the Yurks, she was a host who got away. Um, we think that it makes much more sense if she's actually the uh, one of the workers at the Gap, uh, who that had the entrance to the Yurk pool inside of it.
1: The entrance that the animorphs used to gain entry uh, in the previous book.
0: Which, yeah, it's, it's right after the last book. For some reason, this book is making a point about all these clothes and she's collecting them and she was talking like she was working in a store. She's obviously yeah. crazy because the yerk, uh, you know, maybe it died halfway attached to her head like that one other guy or something. Yeah, that's that's our theory. Our theory is that she is one of the people who worked at the Gap where the Animorphs got into the yerk pool last and she preemptively ran off. Uh, she Her yerk probably was too scared to face uh whoever's wrath probably visitor three yeah to face visitor three's wrath she knows what would happen and she was so afraid that she found a shack in the woods stayed there starved to death and and uh, the human
1: went crazy from it
0: (laughs) yeah i think that's uh i think that fits pretty well now
1: i'm 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 gonna i'm gonna poke a hole in your theory and then um i'm gonna fill it quickly (laughs) can i do that
0: you can do whatever you want (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, some might say, uh, but Coleman, but Mitchell, how would the Yerks know that the gap entrance to the Yerk Pool is the one that was infiltrated? And, you know, therefore, why would this woman have reason to fear Visitor 3 if the blame was going to be shifted on her? Can you can you think of a a reason why?
0: I can. I think. The fear. i hope you're
1: about to say what i'm about to say
0: <laughs> okay well we'll see i think the fear is enough that a person who might even think that they were involved in the land is getting in is enough <laughs> to send her running
1: what if i told you the animorphs left solid evidence that beyond a shadow of a doubt the gap entrance to the irk pool is the one they infiltrated
0: are you talking about jake leaving the clothes behind
1: yes exactly
0: I don't think that's proof, because, A, people leave clothes in uh, dude, places all the time.
1: Dude, the Yerk Pool was busted into again by the Andalite bandits. Yeah, yeah, but... And but, a mysterious pile of human clothes, one, turns up in the same dressing room as the
0: entrance to the you're, Yerk you're Pool. Talking, you're talking, it's crazy that clothes <laughs> showed up in a clothing store dressing room? Yeah. And not only that, but if, if what you're saying was were true... That that's how they narrowed it down to that entrance. Then they would know that the andalite bandits weren't were humans. That's not true.
1: Maybe it it's could not be. True. It could be. They could have all morphed some tiny creature and uh, had one andalite and human morph that you know took them into the the dressing room.
0: Either way, I think uh, I think there's enough that they could figure out based on where the andalite bandits showed up in the York pool or. Uh, maybe there was some uh, CSA, CSI type forensic evidence of people walking down that, or maybe that was just the last Yerkpool entrance activated before stuff went down in the Yerkpool. Who knows?
1: You know, I I, I do gotta say though, I believe they use this entrance m- on on multiple occasions in future books. Um, do they? I don't think this is the last time we've seen the gap entrance. To I the thought Yerkpool. every
0: time they went into the Yerkpool, they used a different entrance
1: um i remember i think even the back of one of the books says you know the team needs to break into the yerk pool and luckily they remember the gap
0: entrance or whatever hmm because i thought that was a big plot point is that especially when they meet eric and everything uh they have to constantly like that's big evidence or that's that's big information they get is they're constantly searching for new entrances to the yerk pool
1: well i i I mean i hope they don't use the yerk pool again because if the the yerk's Uh, closed off the gap entrance that would mean that that would be even more proof that um, this was a lady who worked at the gap entrance to the yerk pool um, probably the manager of it or or the the senior most yerk there and when it was found out that you know that's where the screw-up happened that's where the andalite bandits got through she fled
0: and went insane i definitely think it's a possibility especially right after i that was the last book that happened in so it's still on you know applicant's mind or whatever
1: right yeah definitely and you know it could have been that not only um was was she afraid of visor 3 perhaps she wasn't on the list of important enough controllers to you know get on the uh the the ship for the <laughs> the candorona feeding that they need
0: yeah Since so that's it's, our. Uh, it's
1: expected a lot of yurks are about to start dying
0: that's our crazy fan theory of the day i like it <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so moving that, on that's
1: our that's our crazy fan theory uh next we have marco and jake uh taking a bus to go to the area where the tornado attack took place out on the highway um i i guess at this point you know what they don't know that the the creature's chasing morphs right now so i guess no. taking the bus there is just a plot device <laughs> so that they don't get attacked
0: It's either a plot device or just them generally being freaked out by what's happening. I mean, they don't have to know that morphine is the issue to start playing it safer than usual.
1: That's a good point, yeah. Maybe they were just trying to play it safe. I think they also mentioned that they they go inside a gas station or something nearby and um, talk to some people or something. But Tobias shows up and mentions, (laughs) once again, Tobias... Mentions the crazy lady shack in the forest, but that he hasn't seen Rachel. Cause that's, you know, who they're looking for, obviously in coming to this area. Um, and this is when the team decides to morph to, uh, cover more ground. So they're going to morph wolf.
0: Yeah. Which those, you know, senses will help them if they're, if they're trying to track Rachel. It's definitely not going to hurt to have super wolf noses.
1: Yeah, they they do mention that I think they brought uh a pair of uh Rachel's something. Uh, they bring an article of clothing.
0: <laughs> it it's probably just a shirt. I'm just going to guess.
1: I think it is. Um and and of course as soon as they start Morphin' Wolf, uh Tobias immediately reports monster sighted. Cage incoming.
0: <laughs> and they still don't figure it out.
1: <laughs> Not just yet, yeah, but um we go back to the shack um, and <laughs> this is where the crazy lady who's still rampaging around upstairs screaming about yurks um, starts to burn the place down because why not? We need to move that plot along. <laughs> and Rachel is still trapped in the cellar. Oh no!
0: It's and a good
1: thing, good thing she's got a grizzly morph.
0: <laughs> yeah, and a little side note that doesn't actually matter to the plot or anything but since I hadn't read 7 back in the day like I had read seven before the podcast, but uh, back when I was first reading these books, I read Megamorphs one, probably after like book four or something, and no, no, probably after book six, and so I didn't know Rachel had a grizzly. So this is the first instance that Rachel morphed grizzly to me, and I was like, "Whoa! When she get this morph? This is
1: crazy!" <laughs> I don't remember this in the canon. <laughs>
0: so yeah, crazy, crazy side note.
1: The guys the guys try fighting the monster as wolves but they quickly realize that that's dumb and is not going to work and they're stupid and they should feel that like
0: fighting a lawnmower (laughs) kind of with except without
1: all that protection that a lawnmower provides from it's its like
0: it's like turning a lawnmower upside down so the blades are facing up and then punching it over and over again
1: (laughs) yeah well regardless they find out that it doesn't really work to battle this this villain and they end up having to run away from it instead through the forest through the forest and over the trees and on their way to
0: grandma's house and it almost gets marco it gets pretty close
1: yeah yeah oh yeah it it chases marco all the way to uh where tobias informs him that a meadow is coming up and holy crap he's gonna die
0: (laughs) but the smoke monster turns away goes off and they smell smoke which is an obvious reference to the burning rachel
1: yeah, so they must be relatively close, but not plot convenient close enough. <laughs> because Rachel happens to break out of the cellar, and it's like immediately the the monster's there on her. <laughs> and uh, very luckily we have Axe show up kind of out of nowhere.
0: I don't know where he appeared from. Well, but... these are his woods. I think something starts burning. Are these and... his
1: woods? Because... Rachel's been wandering through the woods for like a day now.
0: And They're all his woods. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 very clear the geography of the city is is ninety
1: percent composed of Cassie's woods. <laughs> no, it's
0: it's like Vancouver or something. I know it's not. It's actually Northern California, but it's beach. Oh,
1: dude, I totally thought it was New York. Are you serious? I thought it was a suburb of New York.
0: No, this is like ninety percent. Uh, like See, nice. The stuff California you miss when weather. you skip
1: the thirties and forties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but they, they, they tell you where it is in the last books. Oh uh, well, I'd forgotten that. Yeah. A little well, no, this, minor this detail. It's like Northern California. It's like nice. I all knew the it was time.
1: one of the two most important cities in America.
0: <laughs> it's not what? It's not LA though. It's like <laughs> Northern California. <laughs> it's like a, it's not a small town, but it's like uh I guess you it's not San well, Francisco. Obviously it's not but... a huge city. Yeah, but it's it's some weird california town but yeah they talk about being not on the west coast but there's plenty of context clues there ah
1: i guess the slower readers like me just well for one thing that stuff up
0: for one thing there's no mountains in new york so i mean the very end of the appalachia ends in pennsylvania so them having big mountains is your geography with coleman (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're definitely in north like north northern California. It's the only thing that fits the geography they describe and the, and they talk about it later. Anyway, but point is, <laughs> so the geography of their specific town is ocean, downtown area, suburbs, Cassie's farm, national forest and you know, the beginnings of the Rockies. So all from uh, like right behind Cassie's house is the start of the national forest. And that's all the forest that's mentioned in the books. It's just a huge I mean, national forest. are humongous. It's so just a what,
1: huge abandoned shack littered
0: <laughs> wasteland <laughs> of yeah. foliage. So I'm sure Axe gets around back there. And this is just <clears throat> some highway, probably fairly nearby. So I think, I think Axe so, was
1: cruising for chicks.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, this is funny because I guess if you set off a, uh, fire somewhere in the forest axe throws out all secrecy and just <laughs> jumps into the clearing in full andolite form
1: what's going on over here what do it. need to see an alien <laughs> don't yeah. tell anybody axe shows up and uh I, I, he just he's kind of confused obviously and asks if it's rachel and uh oh this is when we switch to Axe's pov for the very first time ever by the way
0: And, fun note about that, which I talked about at the end of the last episode, Axe doesn't get a portrait.
1: Yeah, I think everybody knows it's because he didn't have official artwork at this moment just yet. Not until book eight, next, will we get to see his uh, his official artwork.
0: It's like insight into Scholastic and the writers being real people. You know, they... Oh, at they the beginning... rushed
1: this out so fast, they had to split it into three parts. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, they they have... Or is it two? Beginning... I'm
1: sorry, this one's two.
0: At the beginning of every chapter, it has their main, you know, character pictures. And Axe, it's just a blank, you know, chapter that says his name. So, kind of weird, but I guess they couldn't, couldn't get it together in time.
1: I think we all knew what Axe looked like anyway.
0: Not really. I pictured all these aliens completely different, like I way more realistic. Buff. Like I pictured all the horpajir taxons and andalites way more realistically and awesome.
1: So... <laughs> more realistic and awesome than a nineties kids book series? Impossible.
0: Like when I saw the uh, uh horpajir and stuff in the TV show and even on the front of like the horpajir chronicles, ah, oh, they were nothing like I pictured. I pictured kind of no, apish. yeah, I
1: I agree. I did have a cooler picture too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've got awesome vision for what these aliens are. Uh, I'm just
1: so unique and so creative. They, they don't I'm, even know.
0: I'm like a special snowflake. Like, there's no one like me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, uh, Axe is on the scene. Rachel's trying to attack the cloud like we've seen so many times before. And in this instance, she actually loses a couple of limbs. <laughs> she yep. just sticks them in. And like you said, punching a lawnmower. They're just gone.
0: Rachel does this throughout the series. She probably loses more limbs than anyone else combined.
1: Hey, good point. We should have a, a tally of
0: limbs lost by Hup, Rachel. Rachel lost another leg. <laughs> I, I I
1: think it would be interesting to actually start a tally of how many times they narrowly manage to morph out before they die. <laughs> well,
0: that's every book, so... You <laughs> I perfect. know,
1: it'll be huge by the end.
0: 54. <laughs>
1: I couldn't even tell you how many times it's happened thus far, and let's try not to figure it out. Okay,
2: <laughs>
1: sure. Um, the 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 monster kind of surrounds itself around Rachel, and um, out of sheer convenience, Axe, of course starts to morph to try and help her out with something. And um, do you remember what he what he morphs here? He starts to morph a, a his Harrier, right?
0: Why would he morph Harrier to help her?
1: I think he was going to like lead it away from her or something.
0: Oh, maybe I don't. I'm not sure, but either way, he's smart enough to not morph something to fight it.
1: Right? Yeah, and um, uh, of course, you know the the monster leaves Rachel alone, even though it has her. It has her. It goes for Axe instead. And... Once you
0: once you understand what the monster's doing, though, I mean, it, it makes sense.
1: That well, Axe immediately figures it out right here. This is kind of the the moment where at least one character is bright enough to figure it out and uh the, well, yeah, monster the instead... Andalites are
0: superior to humans. Well, yeah,
1: I know. The the monster instead surrounds itself around Axe who uh demorphs because why not and gets taken away. Like yeah. j- just lifted off the ground and flown into the
0: sky. <laughs> and moments too late, Jake, Marco and Tobias, they they get to the burn down shack and uh they, they start to use their detective skills to figure out that <laughs> Rachel and Axe were part of whatever went down.
1: Yeah. Okay, let's see. Uh, shack's on fire. There's blood on the ground. Obviously, Rachel's been here. Obviously.
0: <laughs> it makes perfect sense. And then they well, find the Well, that's footprints. basically
1: how they, how, they ha- uh, how they figure it out. Because they know immediately. Rachel, Axe, something, go. Bad. Fight, <laughs> <violence>. <laughs> Where are
0: they? <laughs> Yeah, and they 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 have no idea where they went. They're just gone and no one's there. I I don't even think they spot Crazy Shack Lady. She probably burned alive.
1: Um yeah, dude. You think she's dead? She has to be dead. She started the Shack on fire. They don't mention they saw a dead body.
0: She probably let herself burn to escape the reality she was living in.
1: The awesome fan reality.
0: (laughs) Copyrighted by Mitch Coleman
1: um i wrote in my notes now it's time for some cassie action it's weird <laughs> when we saw her her sexy half fly morph on the cover we knew we had to get to this moment this is uh cassie's chapter where she, they 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 need to look for rachel so besides going to the scene of all the you know highway destruction where else are they going to look for rachel but
0: the place where they look for everything and try to solve all their problems?
1: Let's go to the mall!
0: <laughs> Today. Um,
1: they go, Ray, or, Cassie goes to the mall to, to look for Rachel. Um, while there, obviously she's not finding Rachel, but she does encounter Vice Principal Chapman,
0: who of is course she does. still a
1: prominent character. Woohoo!
0: They're trying to desperately force on us.
1: <laughs> He's made it eight books! <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh so she sees him and she's like, Hey, I know that guy uh <laughs> decides to morph fly and scout him out. Because yeah. that'll help the uh, current situation uh, <laughs> somehow.
1: Well, she she her thinking behind that is it's in case that he happens to say something of interest or if he's I don't know, doing something sneaky or something. But <laughs> this is
0: grasping at straws. So I'm I'm just saying it.
1: Her her plan is to morph fly and follow him around the mall. And lucky, lucky, lucky plot convenience that now is the time when the uh, Velik decides not to just release someone it's caught and immediately fly for the new morph energy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe it has a certain uh, proximity trigger for when it gets closer to its food source on the blade ship. Yeah,
1: it's got to be something like that. (laughs) <laughs> there or, has to be a way to explain this oh there um, is i'll
0: pull it out of my ass
1: i think i think maybe when it has something like completely surrounded and you know it's in transport mode like head home mode it's it it's immune to the the energy because it's already got the thing that it needs to take to get its reward yeah so that's my sciency take on it i concur <laughs> Uh Cassie's flying around as a fly. Axe is dropped on the Blade ship. Awesome scene.
0: Yeah, I mean him being you know completely vulnerable surrounded by Harkbjurr and Visor 3. Visor 3 gives exposition dump about the Veli.
1: Oh, I know, man. He has a talking problem cuz he shows up and just immediately it reveals everything that, you know, an Anamorph would need to know about this particular villain, even its weakness.
0: He Though... really needs to go to a supervillain monologue support group.
1: <laughs> I could imagine this, by the way, I could imagine the scene in the movie because, you know, it's it's a movie. Um, mm-hmm. when Axe is dropped off by this monster on the blade ship, he's maybe like sprawled across the floor, he picks himself up, and then we get this tracking shot of the uh, light Hoofs marching into the scene as the camera pans up on Visor Three. And that's Did you our big say bad Pans reveal. up. Oh, I'm sorry. You're
0: disgusting. Tilts up. My gosh, you went to school for this, sir. Uh,
1: I worked at I worked at a television television station as well.
0: Get out of my podcast. <laughs> anyway, um <laughs> So Yeah, you're right. You're right. This is a uh, momentous occasion where Visor Three is well, well, let's not
1: a, oversell it.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> it is a very cinematic occasion where the villain is sitting down, one of the protagonists, and explaining before he dies or is captured or whatever, uh, what exactly is going on and maybe get some clues on how to stop it.
1: You know, as stupid as it is, it, it does really play to Visor 3's character is that he's just so full of himself and he's so damn sure of himself he doesn't, know what? he doesn't care. He doesn't even
0: think. <laughs> and you know what? Who else does Visor 3 have to talk to? I mean, That's true. I, mean,
1: I don't think he has many good conversations.
0: At this point, he is Darth Vader. like <laughs> Except Darth Vader without um, what's his face on the Death Star to talk to? Um, oh, what's his name? Boba Fett. No.
1: <laughs> R2-D2. In the,
0: in the first Star Wars. Anakin the, Skywalker. He's the General.
1: Padme. The General. Whatever, Count Dooku. Shut up.
0: (laughs) Chewbacca. Shut up. Oh, no. Uh, Tarkin. Uh, Admiral (laughs) Tarkin.
1: I would have never said that.
0: (laughs) Well, and that's his, you know, that's like someone who actually, like, pushes back against Vader in the first movie. Anyway, point is, Visitor 3 is like Darth Vader, you know? None of his subordinates who have seen countless others been killed by him for saying the wrong thing are going to engage him in a life conversation <laughs> anything they're not going to talk to him going can do anything so Visitor three not only is he obsessed 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 with these animorphs these andalite bandits uh but he has no one to gloat to about any success <laughs> with them so when they show up you know other andalites of course he's gonna have a dialogue with them and, and you know have some social interaction.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's written about it in his uh, uh, cat print diary. <laughs> <laughs> it's got little paws on the front cover. visitor 3 goes ahead and just tells Axe everything about the creature. He, he tells him that he named it a Velik um, because... Why? Why is he... I'm looking for it right now. Is there actually a reason? Yes, I named it myself. In the Yurk language, it means Pet. Very, very creative and original, Visor 3. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a dumb name. Suck it, Visor 3.
1: Well, that's why he goes by the Yurk word, Velik, Which brings up the whole um, thing. So if they have their own language, why are they speaking English? Why is everyone speaking English in
0: this? Because they adapt. Well, hey, thought speak translates to whatever your brain can comprehend. So,
2: Bullshit!
0: <laughs> and... Uh, and also, I would say, the majority of the hosts we see are humans, and that's why the hork speak a little bit of both, because they're pulling between multiple worlds here. Uh, right,
1: they at least do the, uh, the language thing pretty creatively, instead of just saying, oh, everyone speaks English, and there's no reason why.
0: Yeah, exactly. And here's something we spoke about in length uh, by ourselves, but we can touch on it here. three, what are you doing with this box? And putting axe in it.
1: Oh yes, exactly, a hundred percent, a thousand times yes, Coleman. Why, why would Visitor Three, knowing that he is hot on the trail of the Animorphs and about to about to catch them, why would he not have a simple little container with some of his most high-ranking Yurk officials ready to go, for when you know
0: he he brings in his first Andalite bandit? You don't even need that. There's two others. Ways to solve this problem, incredibly easy with no effort on your part. A, a transparent box so you can see what's going on inside the box. Boom solves ninety percent of the ways Axe tries to escape.
1: Well, he goes out of his way. The box is transparent. He goes out of out of his way to darken it.
0: Why? Ugh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. The second way though. The second way you could solve this problem. You got a horkadier to your left. Kill that host. Take the yerk out. Put it in Axe temporary solution he doesn't have to stay there he doesn't have to be promoted to that level or anything just put him in there so you have control over his brain that's literally what your species does oh Oh, yeah and and, you know
1: as soon as they had a yerk in his head he would be able to tell him everything absolutely everything and i guess we wouldn't have a series or maybe we'd get one more book
0: it's like (laughs) it's like superman you know walking to lex Luthor's building you know it's like you can fly just fly. <laughs> That's your superpower.
1: <laughs> exactly. So Visor Three's superpower appears to be stupid, super stupidity. Uh, <laughs> and this is uh is it is it the first instance or just an instance of uh, one of the animorphs finally talking and conversing with Visor Three because you know, Axe cannot resist Axe the urge to, to yell at him.
0: Axe has talked to him a couple times before. And even one of the other human animorphs has talked to a Yurk. They just said that they had to keep their voice monotone. Or maybe that's in a book, the next book. <laughs>
1: I think, yeah, I think what you're describing just came from book eight.
0: Okay, well, Axe has definitely talked to Visitor 3 at least a couple times in short bursts.
1: Maybe. I'm I'm not confident enough or to say that. Or maybe
0: that's in the next book.
1: <laughs> this might be the first occasion where somebody yells at Visor Three. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, the Axe goes off on him and um just Visor 3 goes on to explain everything about the Velik. What it is, you know, how they tamed it and they trained it to find the morph energy and, and bring it bring bring whatever it catches back for, for its reward. And um I guess that's everything Axe needed. So uh, he could just lock him up now since he wasn't planning on (laughs) making him at a controller or killing him.
0: Yeah, and in simplest terms, uh, we already talked about this, but uh, the Velik is trained or programmed. He doesn't really go into specifics on how he's controlling this creature, but um, he has made it so that it tracks down morphine energy, captures whatever has produced that morphine energy, brings it back to the ship, and is then fed kind of a treat, or it's fed its main food source. Instead of in the wild, I guess it would just track down whatever energy is its food source and then eat the energy when it gets there. So, he's done some crazy genetic manipulation or or training on this uh, millions and millions of creatures.
1: Yeah, and i, I, I kind of wonder how long he's been doing this <laughs> you know has this been an ongoing project for the past couple of years and it's just did now he, ready did or he did you jump over whip to saturn
0: weekend after the last book and pick one of these up maybe i don't know
1: maybe um maybe you know another team of yorks somewhere else out in the the galaxy have been working on this project and now they've just given it to Visitor 3
0: mayhaps
1: um either way uh, when it ultimately fails at the end of this book, I don't see why they don't just do it again.
0: Spoilers. <laughs> because because it turns on him.
1: So Visor 3 locks Axe up in, in his, you know, transparent box that he makes dark on purpose because he's like, I don't need to see what he's he doing. He likes in the there. challenge
0: of Animorphs escaping, apparently. So
1: Well, and he thinks that, you know, the box is airtight and there's nothing he can do to escape. Moron. So are 3 sends the Valique out for its next next meal ticket.
0: And we jump back to Cassie, who's flying around worrying. Uh, she's still following Chapman at a bookstore. And I don't... Other than the fact that it pays off, this is a stupid plan.
1: <laughs> Pretty much, but it's Cassie. She's got to have something to do.
0: <laughs> they just they send her off <laughs> to keep herself busy.
1: I I got a a theory about Cassie that I'll share with you at the end, but uh, yeah, she's following Chapman around, and it doesn't look like it's going to pay off for quite a while, and she's almost concerned about you know being made fun of by everyone else for wasting time, but um, luckily some controllers show up and start talking to Chapman, and they uh they give out lots of good info surprisingly.
0: Yeah, I mean they they reveal to her. Uh, that this V-League is a Yurk tool. You know, this is part of a plot that the Yurks have come up with. And that uh, they specifically dropped the name Morph Hunter. So that gives Cassie, you know, all the context clues you would think a person would need to figure out uh, what's going on. Coming this fall to Fox, Morph Hunter. Best best TV show ever. (laughs)
1: Starring Chuck Norris.
0: I bet it'd be amazing, a TV show, and then they'd cancel it after a season.
1: Um yeah, another cool piece of information that we get out of this scene though is um they do reveal how much of the police force is currently controllers. Oh really? (laughs) Yeah, man. Did you read the book? (laughs) I I read the book,
0: I just don't I don't remember them saying that.
1: Yeah, they say um they say only ten percent of the police force is currently controllers.
0: Okay, if only ten percent of the police force is controllers, how come every time they run into police there's always one that says andalite,
1: cause they spread themselves thin.
0: I guess <laughs> they have they have one in every uh, unit. Well,
1: they probably they probably have nine uh, percent of them at the mall. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the do still know enough about human uh, society and really all they've infiltrated are a bunch of mall cops. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the mightiest of the mighty,
0: ten percent of the mall cop force. <laughs> it's one guy. <laughs> uh,
1: they um, they do they do talk also about uh, working in the media and covering up the Valik activity and, and uh, referring to it as as a tornado, even though it's a stupid, flimsy excuse.
0: <laughs> and yet we find out that uh, I mean, maybe they've infiltrated some of the lower levels of some of the news stations or whatever. But later on in another book. Uh, we see that they have at least one entire channel under their control, like actual like news channel.
1: Oh, Fox News probably.
0: <laughs> no, nowadays He's my guess pro- nowadays it's probably CNN. I mean, they're just, oh, they, they're probably one of the worst right now.
1: Um, yeah, but they're the worst in just like content whereas fox is the worst in terms of news
0: oh my gosh i remember the joke in independence day where they're like i don't want to learn about my new there it's the president talking he's like i don't want to learn about my news from cnn you know blah blah. they were they used to be one of the best oh i don't know why we're talking about this
1: (laughs) okay um so (laughs) the last time we saw rachel she was kind of like dying or something so a little bit we we get to hop back to that situation and boy, is it riveting as uh, she continues walking through the forest. It's
0: Like Lord of the Rings over here.
1: She's walking. These bear claws were made for walking.
0: She does make the good decision to follow the stream, though.
1: Yeah, so after an incredibly dull Rachel scene, we get the group moving back to Cassie's barn, Animorphs HQ, where they uh, are just freaking the hell out because Rachel and Axe are still missing.
0: Yeah, they're they're pretty in the dark. Besides Cassie being able to come back and give them all the information that she gleaned from uh, Chapman and her mall experience.
1: Yeah, she she got the Cliff Note version of what Axe got, and uh, she knows everything she needs to know. It's a morph hunter, and yeah. they, uh, despite terrible odds and missing presumed dead teammates, uh, they try to remain hopeful, and you know animorphs god bless them they uh they try to try to stay fighting the good fight
0: yeah but they pretty much have to at this point disperse and go back to their normal houses um so <clears throat> they gotta they gotta give up the search at some point it's just another normal day to their parents and family members so
1: yeah and at the same time we've got uh more rachel action there's got to um, be more
0: rachel in this book than any of the others
1: well, yeah, her her amnesia side plot here really takes up a good portion of the book. Unfortunately, it's weird. It's, it's like it, it, I think it was the the most forced idea and probably the least likely was given the most attention.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I can see them being more interested in the small personal stories and hers is the closest thing we have in this book, whereas the rest of them are dealing with, you know, major plot and action. So, yeah and
1: you know even for for cassie for her not having much to do at all really uh the way the story ends kind of <laughs> comes out of nowhere
0: yeah so this is the part where you know this this whole second act is just kind of it's a little meandering but it's it's moving it forward
1: well yeah we we do get a big event coming up here but um we have Rachel who's stumbled into the suburbs finally, and uh, she's in a little development, I guess, and finds a just a, a, an abandoned house or or a house that hasn't been sold or it's
0: probably up for retail. Yeah.
1: Oh no! Wait a minute. I think yeah, I, honestly, I think they say the sold sign was removed from the the driveway, but the painter's equipment was there because the painters were still doing their thing, regardless of the reason. Uh, she finds a house to crash in for the evening and she gets some water, she gets some Nilla wafers. Yeah. <laughs> delicious. And uh, just kind of goes to sleep. And here we get our next big action scene, basically, or the start and of it, it anyway. And it starts out
0: hilariously with, you know, she's having these nightmares where it's revealing a little bit more of her past. I don't know if she's actually remembering this when she wakes up, but at least in dream form, She's having flashes of the, I think the construction site and a couple other things.
1: And <laughs> the plot, it's coming back to me. <laughs>
0: she's remembering her journals and, and the books that have been written so far. <laughs> and um, she she wakes up screaming the word anamorph. yeah, because she had just been thinking about morphine and all this other stuff. But it's so, oh man, if they were going for blockbuster movie scene, this is the most blockbuster movie scene ever. That's oh yeah.
1: That, that scene makes it into the trailer. She, <laughs> she,
0: she screams out the word anamorph That's just, that's good stuff.
1: Well, but, and conveniently when, when she wakes herself up, uh, there's, there's cops outside for some reason. Oh, well, they said, a neighbor they, had, a neighbor yes, the neighbor spotted her. her climbing in through the window. Exactly. <clears throat> and so the cops are, are here to bust her. Um, and here i gotta point out um she she decides to morph elephant instead of say a fly or a
0: cockroach
1: now she she went
0: bigger instead of smaller i hear your tone here and i think it is did you read my
1: tone in my notes too
0: no i hear it
1: i hear it (laughs) because i read it exactly as i wrote it
0: yeah i know um i hear your tone here thinking that it's Not taking into account that Rachel's personality dictates she go fighting stance over No,
1: I know, and I think that's a very safe excuse to retreat to. But I think anyone intelligent would have went, cops are here to bust me? Oh, shit. I guess I'll just get small so they can't see me.
0: Also, if she's reverted back to someone with no memories, for the most part, of any animals so far and what they've done and blah, blah, blah. Uh, you could say that even if she knew she had a cockroach morph, she would be way too scared, or wouldn't even know if she'd be able to morph something small and disgusting like that.
1: I guess, but um, I mean, we we need our we need we need our obligatory Rachel elephant stompathon that's dictated must happen once per book.
0: No, it's true. I mean, we actually don't get much elephant morph later on, so it's nice yeah, to have it. as as
1: as she gets better morphs um and uh, oh that's where that chapter ends she's about to morph elephant and uh now we've got <laughs> tobias leaving everybody because he's useless at night his his skycam is not equipped with night vision
0: or just in general yeah
1: <laughs> so he has to leave them all and we have jake marco and cassie Kinda meandering their way down her uh driveway to say good good night. And as they're marching towards the end of the driveway wondering what they're going to do, they happen to see a a shadow move across the moon, heading into town, and uh figure out pretty quickly that it's the Valique. And that now that after. they know,
0: you know, the basis for it's uh what it's drawn to. They know it's going after Rachel or Axe because that's the only two people or the two animals that they don't know the whereabouts of. So they have to try to do something. They have to distract it or or whatever they can do. They have
1: to somehow chase after it, perhaps in some sort of car? Truck? they form a very very quick plan to uh try to distract the creature by morphing just all over in different locations to to drive it uh, attract it and keep it away from each other and Marco immediately points out, oh man this is going to be really unpleasant <laughs> they're they're forming their plan here of of trying to distract the valik with with random acts of morphing and uh Cassie points out that they cannot start to morph at her house and draw the leak there so jake and marco point out what happens to be sitting right nearby in the ditch cassie's father's beat up pickup truck
0: exactly
1: i don't and know he- if i should ask you questions and let you fill in anymore or if i should just say them no i i can't <laughs> you just
0: gotta pause extra long so i know what's going on <laughs>
1: i feel like in that moment you're like oh shit do you need i'm supposed to say something oh. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, because at this point, I'm getting ready to go to the next scene. So, anyway. um,
1: But now, yes, we're back to Rachel.
0: No, shut up. I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Take it away, partner. So, because this is a movie, and we're quick-cutting George Lucas style, uh, we go back to Rachel in her moments of elephant morphine and just barreling outside of this house and away from the police. And she she doesn't stop and fight. She actually running in elephant morph, So I don't, I don't really know the purpose of going elephant in the first place, other than to get past them and then be in an incredibly huge. Slug other than wolf. it's,
1: it's a plot thing. <laughs> it's <laughs> necessary for the plot, I guess.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's a hundred percent necessary because the V catches up to her and tries to pick her up. Fails
1: after miserably. destroying half the neighborhood. I want to point out here. <laughs> and yeah. I think this might be why she specifically said it's a, it's a housing Development. development? Yeah. And not like a actual suburb, because yeah, shit gets torn up here,
0: <laughs> quite a bit. But we see this important plot point of the V League trying to pick her up and failing because I mean elephants aren't that big, but big enough apparently to stop this thing from taking her away.
1: Well, I didn't Wikipedia it or anything, but don't elephants weigh like seven, eight hundred pounds? Yeah, they're, no, they're like um, they're like
0: three or four tons probably.
1: All I, all I all I know about elephants I learned from Operation Dumbo Drop. Yes, but you make a good point. Uh, the Velik tries to carry Rachel away and cannot lift the weight of an elephant. Important plot note. Yeah. Oh, and I guess right there is our reason why she didn't go small and instead went big. Oh, yeah. Because that's why Kate Applegate
0: went big and not small. <laughs>
1: Ooh. Um, and yes, dude, we finally have it. The uh, the uh boss battle music from Final Fantasy VII kicks in, and Marco, Cassie, and Jake are now driving in a truck towards the Valik, and our Michael Bay car chase is on.
0: <laughs> oh, and it's great, because now everybody's coming together, they're getting to the same spot, besides Axe, because he's trapped in a box. Uh, but they get there, in the truck, and, uh... Yeah, and what they see is Rachel in Elephant Morph being, you know, not really picked up, but failing to be picked up by the v and it's it's kind of a hilarious scene.
1: Oh, it's it's definitely a hilarious scene, most of which is uh, attributed to Marco's terrible driving skills and Jake's very, very concerned banter with him as they're driving.
0: Yeah, that hurts.
1: This part here spawned, you know, one of... Uh, when i when i find on animorphs forums you know uh, people talking about their funniest funniest moments from the series this is one that's constantly brought up with the uh, marco constantly running over the trash cans and jake asking about you just you just hate trash cans don't you
0: <laughs> yeah it's pretty great
1: and yeah as you say they they despite marco's terrible terrible suicidal driving uh, they managed to find the valik and, and the Cass or the, the Rachel scene happening. And this is when Jake decides to morph Tiger to distract the valik and kick their plan into gear. And, uh, as he's, he's morphing Tiger, uh, Cassie kind of gets out of the car to, to go to Rachel and Jake gets in the, the bed of the truck because he, you know, won't fit inside the truck anymore. And this is when we have Jake and Marco driving speeding down the freeway with jake morphing a tiger in the back trying to you know lure away the valique and if this is not specifically written to be adapted into a movie i mean i don't know what is
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it's a great scene you have this giant monster chasing him down the freeway jake's in the back morphing tiger just like you said uh finally gets to a point where jake and bail, and he immediately I, I don't know if it's his tiger instincts or what immediately goes straight up a tree what are you doing it's it's no yeah i know
1: exactly yeah and 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 they do they do run off the road and and again into another conveniently placed forest i guess it's probably the same one that rachel
0: just came out of actually of course it is (laughs) i told you the geography already yeah
1: i'm sorry i wasn't paying attention to geography with coleman
0: everyone should in fact, uh, rewind back to that point, everyone listening, and listen to it one more time so you're ready for the rest of the series.
1: <laughs> There'll be a quiz later at the end. Uh, so Jake manages to keep the valik busy for a short while, but he does end up stuck up a tree with the valik in the middle of the tree, sawing it downwards. So now, obviously, would be a great time for a chapter break.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, it's got him in a precarious situation. So, we have to do, uh, you know, jump back to Cassie and Rachel. So, of
1: course, we've got to jump back to the least interesting character. Well, no,
0: I see this as a really great scene for a movie, too, because we've seen all this stuff with Rachel. We know she's lost her memory. And you have Cassie, who knows something's wrong, somewhat, but she goes up to Rachel trying to be like, Hey, Rachel, it's me. And she approaches this elephant, who she doesn't know, doesn't know who she is. And Rachel's pretty confrontational right from the get-go. But... She, wow, she quickly warms up yeah she convinces rachel that hey i'm your best friend uh you know we're you're one of us blah 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 and she fills her in she tells her uh what's going on and discovers that she's you know had this amnesia the whole time and that's why they couldn't find her
1: yeah and even though rachel is still semi-amnesiac here uh cassie does manage to convince rachel to trust her momentarily and uh we see the team coming back together and of course what a great time to once again cut away from the action and uh show us how axe is feeling as he's sitting aboard the uh holding cell in the blade ship while Vizor three twirls his villain mustache and uh i don't know touches his nipples to the camera feed of the (laughs) Do Adalites... the, uh, the leak battling jake here do analytes have nipples <laughs> that's a t-shirt um i don't know
0: here's the question and this is more so to be brought up here in a minute but <laughs> because we actually see a camera feed here huge huge plot hole
1: yeah, <laughs> where are these magical cameras that he's pulling
0: images no, from? that's believable. They're in space. They've got tons of ships. <clears throat> I 100% believe that they could have a camera feed of what this Felix's doing and, and where or whatever. But the plot hole comes from not only have a bunch of them already morphed human back and forth, and they've been in this truck, and you've seen morphing and blah, blah, blah. In just a minute, they're going to have some bug fighters swirling around them. <laughs> and they're yeah. going to morph to human then morph to something else how does everyone not know that they're humans after this book
1: um i think it might hope that you uh have forgotten that plot point at this point although um as soon as uh x you know has dropped on the blade ship one of the things visor three points out is uh, some of my men were starting to say, maybe you guys weren't Andalites, but oh, here's my positive reinforcement. <laughs>
0: his confirmation bias.
1: Yeah. He chooses to immediately believe his trusted advisors were incorrect. Um, where are we? Oh, yeah. Magic cameras. I don't know. I don't know about
0: them. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just <laughs> something we got to
1: so uh he, he he ends up getting mad because uh the valik leaves jake uh to go find somebody else and that's really i guess it just serves as a cutaway to show us what Visor three and x are doing
0: yeah remind us that he's still there and show and, the Visor like three has magic cameras yeah which really <laughs> would have been better if he didn't bring this up
1: <laughs> um and a couple more quick cuts here we go back to marco who is, you know, still driving to uh, try and uh, lead the Velika way as he starts to morph Gorilla. Short, but cool. Um, we hop back to Rachel and uh, Cassie. As, you know, Cassie's just riding on Rachel, I think, <laughs> and filling her in on what's going on. Which is and... great.
0: We're getting all these back and forth cuts, and it's now as quick as a film. I mean, it's it's... We're in the blade ship, we're down here with Cassie, we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here. Oh
1: yeah, this is the this is the spectacular halftime, you know
0: <laughs> Super Bowl halftime show.
1: Yeah. I mean it's it's the big, you know, action y middle scene.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And The rising action. And I, I love the part we have with Marco where he's morphing Gorilla. And of and he marks he morphs that so he can continue to drive, but it's just I mean you put you put that in a movie. A gorilla driving a pickup truck down the road. Oh yeah, <laughs> amazing! It's gonna. Be <laughs> I would stuff. pay to
1: watch an actual movie about that. Just a, a gorilla who
0: can drive a car. <laughs> exactly, uh, but we come to. Ahead. Oh no! Wait a
1: minute. I wanted to point out that as uh, as as Cassie's you know talking to Rachel and Clue in on all this stuff, um, she decides to to morph, and I think her thought was uh was that the, the valik Couldn't carry Rachel away for some reason because of, you know, the size of her morph. Maybe if I do something small, it won't be able to carry me or something. I don't know what her reasoning was, but she decides to morph
0: squirrel. Because if you morphed a squirrel and you were on the ground, I'm sure the Veliks could still pick you off.
1: Oh, no, I think it was because uh, she wanted to morph a squirrel because she's riding on top of Rachel as an elephant. And the Valique wouldn't be able to presumably... Uh, differentiate between them.
0: I don't know. I don't know why. The Valique's made up of tons of tiny creatures, so why couldn't it just pick her up off the hell? Well, back?
1: regardless of whether or not it would work, she decides to morph squirrel, probably for that reason.
0: Like a fool
1: <laughs> Now we're back to Marco, who is uh you know, he's driving along, doing his gorilla thing, minding his own biz, and <laughs> bug fighters fly in firing, you know, laser beams and how is Dracon all beams. of this not on the evening news at the speed that they were covering the How is this not ben and Jerry's? on Mr.
0: Screen? <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, either way, bug fighters fly in and uh, just kind of pew, 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 and Marco's done driving.
0: Yeah, he crashes into Rachel, right?
1: Um. Yeah, I think they, they shoot at him a little bit and he, you know... Skids and then yeah he does run into Rachel. <laughs> he runs and
0: breaks Rachel's you know back left leg or whatever.
1: <clears throat> yeah yeah. In fact he he does end up hurting Rachel and the valik gets gets him. The valik gets Marco and then we cut to Cassie's view, who has also just been attacked by a bug fighter and that's how Rachel got hurt by the way. Um she got hurt by the bug fighter and then Marco slams into her.
2: He didn't and, help.
1: <laughs> and Cassie. Watches this all unfold and uh, does nothing to help Marco. You
0: yeah, know, this is important. She's off to the side and she's even thinking to herself, if I do nothing here, I'm a coward. And then she proceeds immediately to do nothing.
1: Yep. <laughs> um Could she have done anything? She's a squirrel right now. So, oh, she could have demorphed.
0: She could have demorphed and distracted the creature that's attracted by morphine. Yeah. Probably could have done that.
1: That is true. And you know what? At this point, basically. You know, Jake's morphed a tiger riding in the Where back of a. Where is Jake? Huh?
0: Where is Jake? Uh,
1: he was last seen leaping, in a tree. leaping at the valik and then it left him. So he's presumably just out in the forest. Somewhere. He's presumably
0: diced and sliced into a million pieces and dead from the series.
1: <laughs> well, what I was going to say is that Jake and Marco have both just take just taken huge, you know, dangerous risks to their life, and it's cassie's turn nothing
0: (laughs) uh yeah i mean cassie fans out there i'm sorry i hate to keep harping on her but
1: you know maybe when she's doing brain surgery later she'll she'll be more of a (laughs) dependable character
0: she keeps cassieing up the situation like we're (laughs) at threat level nine and then cassie shows up and we immediately go to like 12
1: (laughs) yeah uh she does nothing to help marco now we're back to Axe, who is, once again, uh, he's, he's thrown in the cage, awaiting the Valique's return, and as he's sitting there alone in his contemplation, uh, he is still tormented by a flea problem. Hey, I got a question for you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, do you think the fleas that are on you stay on you when you morph, and then also morph back? Like, I mean, is it even plausible that he would still have fleas?
0: no reason why they would go anywhere the form that they're attached to is changing but why would they change or move it's still well, gonna be a warm... if he
1: morphed because he's morphing a flea wouldn't the room be full of fleas then because the fleas would fall off the flea that he just became
0: yeah why don't they they should have used that in the sense that <laughs> in the sense that like visor and them could detect small creatures but once he's one of them they couldn't detect the certain flea that he was that could have been a good plot point
1: well they have no idea, regardless, and everything tends to work out here. But, um, so he marks Flea and uh just basically sits around and waits until you know he hears Visor 3 doing some thought speaking to uh, some of the controllers on board and they discover that Axe is missing and start appropriately freaking out, even though uh, you're just an idiot, Visor 3. <laughs> Maybe we should have kept this box not
0: transparent. <laughs>
1: And then, and then, um, for some reason, his cage opens. I mean, they obviously open the cage, and I- I'm assuming it's, you know, a stupid taxon or something that just jumped the gun and was like, shit. <laughs> but, yeah, he
0: even um, says, don't open the cage, you fools. So, um, obviously, this was just one of the stupid subordinates doing this.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's... That's what's implied. But Axe is able to jump out now, sensing the warmth, and we cut to uh, Marco's POV with him being dropped down on the blade ship, and he mentions that, you know, he cried like a baby on the way up.
0: Oh, yeah. He's, again, pretty, uh, pretty close to not having much hope for getting out of the situation.
1: Exactly. And as soon as he's dumped on the blade ship, uh, Axe starts to privately thought speak to Marco to kind of try and fill him in on what, you know, he's discovered and what's happening. Um, and, and here we have, uh, visitor three also trying to, to co coax coax mm coax, trying to coax Marco into demorphing to show him his andelite form. And, uh, you know marco just straight up ignores him i mean he they know not to talk to visor three anyway but um stranger in this, danger in this particular instance visor three becomes very annoyed with their you know unwillingness to talk to him and axe tells him to find the computer console that controls the door hatch because obviously they you know want to get out of there and this is when we have Axe throwing his plan into action of demorphing on Visor 3, because that's where he's currently located, on Visor
0: 3's back. Basically, he figures, oh, if he God. can demorph on <laughs> Vizzer 3, then the V-Leak, who's in the room above them, hovering around, uh, will immediately, maybe not attack Visor 3, but he's going to cause a commotion. Yeah,
1: and during said commotion, Marco jumps for the computer console and uh probably has to split a couple Horkmajir and tax on heads as he goes.
0: But this causes Axe's brilliant plan to uh form and and go into motion of Axe and Marco falling the thousands and thousands of feet to the ground.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh as the Valik is attacking Visor three. We have Axe, you know, jumping off of it and making the little discovery that this creature, which I guess they thought to be one entity, is actually a combination of multiple really small creatures. Yeah, Axe sees
0: it in flea morph, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wait, how the hell did he see it in flea morphs? Fleas don't even have eyesight very well, do they?
0: They don't see it very well, but they must have had it decent enough to check this out. Or
1: at least it just really worked having him be in flea morph and being at a small enough size to, to notice that about the creature. Yeah. Well, Either way, he jumps through it. And this is another important moment because once again, those are three idiot Re- reveals the monster's weakness to them by calling for water.
0: <laughs> Not directly. Yeah. He calls for water, but you know, there's no way for them to know, you know, maybe he's thirsty <laughs> just like they say in the book. Well, yeah. Yeah
1: why is he thirsty um they hear him calling for water x manages to find marco by having him you know stomp his foot around give him a little noise vibrations to to navigate by and makes it on top of marco and they bail out of the blade ship and marco was terrified by the way because he thought they were you know out in outer space outside in the atmosphere um Turns out they're they're still well within, you know.
0: Luckily, they're suborbital, so.
1: Still, gotta be terrifying.
0: Oh, yeah, they're, they're high up. But leaving us, you know, to wonder what happens to Marco and Axe falling from great heights. I think uh, this is it
1: for them. Yeah, I, I, I think they're dead. I think all <laughs> the
0: characters die in this book. I'm pretty sure. But, Rachel, we're back to her again for the 48th chapter. <laughs> um... <laughs> And we see her starting to basically get her whole memories back as she's sleeping. And she gets just a big, I don't know, Tron-style info dump or Matrix-style info dump and uh, remembers, for the most part, who she is. Yes,
1: and this is uh, at the point where uh, Cassie wakes her up complaining about how she just let the Valique take Marco. So she's obviously got, you know, guilt issues to work out here.
0: She wants Rachel to clear her conscious, but you know what? That's your sin. You have to live with that, Cassie. Your <laughs> cowardice.
1: Yeah. They uh, they, they do go ahead and demorph to uh, try to avoid the bug fighters, and I guess, I don't know, crawl around in the rubble or something and hide.
0: And this is what I'm talking about. The bug fighters are circling above. They're just, you know, they're doing loops. Yeah, can they, they go, hover? They, go, they can hover. They right? can hover, but they're they were flying hovering around. In book three. Either way, they're not going that far away, and Rachel and Cassie go full-on humans, right in front well, of them. yeah,
1: and then they go owl to escape.
0: Yeah, just to clear up any confusion the book might have had on whether the Andalite bandits are humans. Boom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't say they were spotted, so I guess they weren't. Good job, Animor. And uh, just as they're about to rip out some hork eyes, a uh, tiger shows up so there you go there's your answer there's where jake was he was running through the forest that whole time
0: he was off to the side waiting for an opportune moment to look cool
1: no he, he knew he couldn't demorph more for he to attract the creature back again
0: yeah 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 so he had, but, to,
1: he had to play a cool hot shot <laughs>
0: uh but he immediately obviously wants to know where his best friend marco is and right. they don't have an answer for him
1: totally However, we get the answer as we cut to uh, Marco's chapter with him and Ax falling out of the atmosphere, plummeting towards the earth, and Marco is generally freaked out for some reason because momentary amnesia, huh? He's forgotten his convenient morphing ability, and Ax is, you know, very calm about it. <laughs> Marco's like, "We're going to die." And Ax is like, "No we're not." Marco Morph a bird.
0: <laughs> you know, morph that we thing. We morph all the time when we're in situations like this.
1: <laughs> so, of course, he, you know, here's another little uh, thing that we should tally up is how many times an animorph is plummeting towards the ground and narrowly manages to morph bird in time to save their lives.
0: <laughs> I don't think that happens too often. Maybe a couple more times. It's. I
1: think it's happened at least one other time.
0: Not In so far. One of the books we've just read. No, not not yet. This is the first time it happened so far. I think it might happen a couple more times, but it definitely hasn't happened yet.
1: So after Jake and Rachel and Cassie kind of have the worst night imaginable, thinking that, you know, Marco and Axe are just, they're both already dead and they, you know, are under the assumption that they can no longer morph without this creature coming after them and... Admittedly, they're they're pretty down about that, and to make matters worse, they're all punished by their various parents.
0: Yeah, this is this is the the low 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 low, uh, low point low. for the animorphs in this book, especially Jake, who, I mean, he's obviously closest to Marco. I mean, Axe could die, and you know maybe they say a few nice words or whatever, but but Marco being gone and it being directly Jake's fault for not foreseeing this situation or a way out of it it's gonna hit him pretty hard but
1: as as plot would have it this is uh immediately when when marco comes waltzing in like it's nothing and booga, booga, booga. Uh, <laughs> yeah marco goes to goes ahead and you know tells jake to get prepared because he's leading the counterattack against the valik so suddenly this this terrible, awful situation where they're, you know, Doom and Gloom has complete one eighty'd into, oh no, everything's cool and uh we're going to beat the bad guy right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, we know how. It's easy. Just, you know, put your uh swimming trunks on.
1: Meet up at the edge of the woods. So of course they uh go to Meet at Cassie's Woods and Tobias is uh on standby and pissed off because he missed all the action of the previous <laughs> He's evening. on
0: standby. Yeah, he slept through it. So, good job.
1: He, he couldn't have done anything anyway. So. Uh, and he could Cassian have sacrificed is...
0: himself to the cause. Yeah, I guess. I,
1: well, he no. It, he, he has no morph energy to put out. He would have ran into the V-Leak and just been instantly chopped to, to meat.
0: <laughs> he could have flown straight into the V-Leak to maybe momentarily distract it no reason. no
1: it, it's not distracted by things hitting it <laughs>
0: he could have tried he's a coward him and cassie should go to the corner
1: <laughs> cassie is still being very hard on herself for being a coward and i mean that makes sense why Game straight
0: she's a coward <laughs>
1: uh the team discusses kind of you know how they're gonna beat the valik and cassie's the one who's you know got the perfect plan but of course it's it's her in the most crucial role and putting herself in the most danger to kind of compensate for her past failures here which and, i
0: get. I mean yeah she's she's obviously pretty down on herself and her past actions it's at least you know nice for her to try to make up for it
1: the 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 plan her her so-called dangerous plan is um we, the reader are not privy to that (laughs) information. It's kind of explained in one, one sentence, but, uh, we get, um, we get everyone agreeing to it regardless. And the next scene has Tobias flying out to sea, uh, to work his, his wonder cam powers out above the ocean,
0: which now includes x-ray into the ocean. Yeah. Uh,
1: looking for a whale
0: specifically for Cassie to acquire and, uh, I think anybody who was paying attention during the elephant scene knows what they're going for. (laughs) Probably. Well, and you know,
1: Tobias gets to feel useful for once. So
0: win, win (laughs) for once in this book. Yeah. He, he hasn't done a lot.
1: (laughs) He goes back and relays, you know, the location of the whale to Cassie and the team and everyone takes another opportunity to kind of try and talk her out of it. Like this is your, your one last chance to turn back Cassie, but she insists she's the best girl for the job because you know she's the best
0: morpher and because she's a coward (laughs) and she'll have to do a lot of morphs here this isn't some walk through the park this is
1: oh no yeah her, her plan does include obviously um rapid morphing rapid fire morphing
0: yeah but it pays off they uh they put this together and she starts morphing and the v- well, everybody shows goes
1: up. everybody goes dolphin and yeah. the Velik is, you know, on them in an instant.
0: <laughs> but it's just hovering over the ocean. I mean it's it's just following them. It can't can't go in, which is uh if they, you know, were wondering if the whole water thing was true, this confirms it. Yeah,
1: the the, the Velik obviously won't do anything because of the water. So the kids <laughs> the the whole team here has absolutely no problems locating the whale instantly i mean it happens right away (laughs) they don't spend a whole lot of time on that and cassie demorphs and climbs atop the whale and and acquires it and of course she's gonna ask permission again oh my
0: gosh it's like thank you jesus whale for the sacrifice that you're about to give
1: (laughs) and then we get we get more damn psychic whale talking with
0: not only do we get more of it it's it becomes the linchpin of their plan to to wrap up the entire plot of this book. So if you were pissed off by you know episode four or book number four, of the message, uh, congratulations, they decided to rehash that plot and bring it back.
1: <laughs> it's back for just a a bit roll in a tiny chapter here.
0: I love the the whale. <laughs> I love how the whale. It's like it's like little one there's some kind of dust monster above yeah
1: it's like freaking navi from link hey (laughs) listen there's a monster (laughs) well and and, you know it doesn't last long thank goodness and cassie throws the plan into action and and morphs roach and she actually does this in the water like in the ocean it's pretty
0: impressive (laughs) to
1: to try and you know avoid the Valik, and tobias kind of swoops in and picks her up and yeah he gets to be helpful again on a potential suicide mission (laughs)
0: oh yeah, yeah yeah and so she does multiple morphs super quick and ends up with you know, her falling from the sky crazy high again just like
1: marco yes tobias so flies her up really high yeah
0: <laughs> and just like marco and ax earlier she's free falling and morphing at the same time so to answer your question earlier this counts for two right yes
1: exactly and it's it's funny because it's not even like you know they already did this with a character falling and having to morph in time um and and instead of just trying to you know have that be dramatic on its own for some reason cassie uses animal love power or something (laughs) weird to to make her her morph happen in
0: time well, I think she just perseverance. I mean, she's she's good at this. She's good at this. No one else could really do it. I don't yeah, see but she anybody really else makes pulling a
1: point to to get weird about it.
0: Yeah, well no no, I don't see anyone else pulling this off. So, for all her faults, she is good at what she does.
1: A uh, potential suicide runner. Exactly. Got it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and she succeeds, she morphs the whale. It's way too big. The V-League tries anyway, gets pulled into the ocean and just instantly dissolves into microbes or I don't yeah know why. I, I, like
1: like the water is acid it just it goes away and then it's over the end that's the end of the book
0: is there no other wrap-up scene or anything
1: they're they' no the valik drowns Cassie says her a little bit about oh because they bring up the stupid whales again <laughs> oh, the <laughs> whales singing because the valik is dead and uh, somebody asks oh I wonder what they're saying and and Cassie says you know it doesn't translate to human, but if it did,
0: hope. You know what? If uh, and that's that's the ending line there. I think Cassie's wrong here. I think uh, if the whales, if if they had actually heard what they were singing, it was probably a a song of sadness because this leak, <laughs> for littering the ocean. <laughs> no, no, this the Valique could not harm whales at all. It, it wouldn't go near the ocean. It could not harm whales at all. You know, worst case scenario, it wipes out humans or kills everybody, and then the whales are stop being hunted, and they can take over the Earth. Boosh.
1: <laughs> I think it was because the valik didn't know it was immune to water until it actually went in there, and now it's just underwater, like, tearing apart whales.
0: <laughs> can I just say, also, that a giant whale falling from the sky has got to be a reference to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy?
1: I don't, I think it was probably unintended, but wow if that's the case then k applegate michael grant congratulations uh, surely you, you've made credit. me fall even more in love with you <laughs>
0: and we are in love please call us back
1: <laughs> so that's the end of the book i mean what do you want to do you wanna do? Do, you wanna do some reviews what's going on here
0: we could possibly review the book as per our usual methods well if that's the case i want you to go first i'm okay with that so i went into this book preemptively and maybe this maybe this helped it but i went to this book preemptively uh ready to pass it by not not hate it or anything but to just blow through it and get to the books i was actually excited to read and i was really surprised as i've mentioned throughout this episode uh they put a lot of effort into this and i don't know the context of how they wrote this or uh if the publishers were pushing them to do maybe some longer form more exciting and action-oriented book I'm not sure, but whatever. They took that call to arms and they ran with it because this is a good book. It's really good. I mean, it does have its faults in that the monster, while interesting, I liked it. It's an okay monster. It's pretty generic and it's kind of filler for, you know, big Hollywood cinematic style, uh, something they have to worry about, villain characters. Uh, obviously Visitor 3 is once again behind the plot, which in these first books I'm really starting to notice that I get it, he's the Darth Vader of the series, but even you know, every once in a while you gotta run into an asteroid worm or something. You gotta <laughs> you gotta have someone else behind these plans or or have them run into other difficulties that aren't completely based off some crazy plot that Visitor 3 ran off to Saturn and picked up a monster and is gonna face them with it. So uh, it's well, not... we're going to
1: get more. Oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> so it's not a perfect book, but it is extremely well written. And uh, I really like them trying... In a book series like this, you could see them falling into the motions that they've done before and doing the same plot lines. I don't think so. I think the fact that they did like really nice transitions in this book uh, had each character referencing what's come before and what the other characters are doing. And just the idea of doing every character in a book when whose book it's been and whose narrating has been such an important point up to this book uh just you know kudos for trying something new and breaking up the uh monotony of of what the other books were doing so all around way way better than i was expecting uh but still a couple things falling short i'm going to give it uh four out of five gorilla driven pickup trucks that's my review score. Four to five.
1: Oh. All right. Cool. Um, So, yeah, I'll start my review now. And um, everything you just said. And, uh...
0: <laughs> Lazy.
1: <laughs> that's my style. Yeah, this is, this is, you know, I've said it multiple times. This is the blockbuster summer movie that comes between season one and season two of Animorphs. Which, in this little world that we've made up, it's between books seven and eight. Um, and I think it does a good job, especially for the first attempt at jumping between multiple characters. Like you pointed out, they do it really well. I like how they rewind scenes and cut away to show you different characters, perspectives on scenes. All that's great. As far as actual story goes, um, I don't know if this is going to be a popular opinion, but I, I think some of the characters were kind of, uh, underutilized and wasted um Tobias obviously as we pointed out is not a source of action really anymore um Rachel losing her her memory and the whole amnesia subplot was probably just given to her so that she had something interesting to do um it really didn't have any real effect on the overall plot I thought um as long as she's, you know, morphing somewhere and attracting the Valique to her. Uh, the amnesia thing, not really a, a big deal. Uh, and I, I think that Cassie's entire plot was all about just her making up for being useless. And her feeling bad for, for being useless. And then, you know, eventually making up for it in the end by by using her specific talents. Um the 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 whole the whole adventure supposedly took place in a single weekend of just two days so it's a lot a lot of action um and and you know oh i think marco and action and uh tobias should all have their own spin-off series because whenever those characters get together that's that's the best i mean nobody didn't enjoy a marco axe talk (laughs) And, uh, maybe the book would have been a little bit better if it had spent more time jumping between Jake and Marco's stories. But, uh, that's personal opinion, I guess. Uh, I felt Rachel's entire plot is just basically her wandering around wrecking shit. I think that, you know, if the, the Velik plan was obviously a success aside from its water, uh, weakness. Um, and I think that it would be one that would work if, Visor 3 had like maybe an army of these things like 10, 20, 100 ideally, there's no way the Animorphs could avoid that many. I'm assuming you know it's a difficult process and whatnot and that's why he can't do it but um yeah and uh the other obvious plot hole of Visor 3 not just straight up infesting or murdering Axe as soon as he caught him, it's a pretty big one. <laughs> Uh, despite its flaws, I I think it's got some of the best action we've seen so far and plenty of it. Um, it's just that, you know, when it slows down, it slows down. So for, for everything it is and everything it's not, I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, I think the Valique as a monster, kind of generic, like you said, uh, perfect Michael Bay material though. I mean, it's basically like one big plot explosion. (laughs) kind of convenient um I'm just gonna go ahead and give you my review I I was teetering back and forth on the three line because I thought you know it's it's got a lot of good moments but it's also kind of drags in some points and for that I thought it's that just makes it an okay book but the action that we do get is is pretty phenomenal and I feel like it if I had seen this in movie format I wouldn't have been disappointed so I think that brings it up to a four a mega four out of mega five uh four out of five change links that's my review
0: <laughs> uh i was actually a little disappointed i thought that for once for the first time in this podcast you were gonna be one point lower than me
1: oh you thought i would go with a three huh
0: yeah from the beginning of your view i thought you would
1: no, I I honestly did. Um I was pretty settled after I immediately finished reading it. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a, that's uh a, that's a 4 out of 5." And then the more, you know, we we delayed recording this and um uh oh, by the way, happy birthday, buddy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's I, April 8. It's it's Coleman's birthday, everybody. I And at you. the time we're recording this, it's 11:49. PM, so it is still technically your birthday, Coleman.
0: Yeah, I was uh, I was going to mention that at the beginning of the episode, but uh, I've been drinking and I forgot.
1: That's funny. I was going to mention it at the beginning of the episode, but I also forgot. So, hmm.
0: so interesting. <laughs> and for listeners, fun fact about your hosts. Uh, so it's my birthday, April eighth, right now, at eleven fifty. It just changed, and in ten Ooh. minutes, it becomes Mitch's birthday. Holy cow! Isn't that
1: the most bizarre thing? It really (laughs) is. We met at film school, and coincidentally, our birthdays are only one day apart.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so happy preemptive birthday to you, Mitchell.
1: Sweet. Um, So we'd reviewed the books. Uh, Yeah, uh, like I was saying, uh, as soon as I finished the book, I felt strongly four out of five. But the more we talked about it and the more we are thinking about it, I, I teetered on that three-edge because I was like, well, there are some pretty big plot holes. Um, and there's there's some kind of stupid stuff, but you know what? I enjoyed it. And I would love to see it in movie format. So, four.
0: No, I understand that. I mean, it's amazing how many bad things... <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Rick and Morty over here. <laughs> oh no it's not a hiccup fit is it
0: it is hold on
1: (laughs) this is staying in (laughs) oh my god
0: (laughs) this has got to be the worst thing that can happen to a podcast
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay hold
0: on (laughs) I'm gonna try.
1: <laughs> take a take a drink of something nearby that's not beer.
2: That's all I have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need water. I'm gonna
0: hold my breath. Water sure. <laughs> I will. But here, no, I got this. Um <clears throat> it's amazing that I gave it as high of a score as I did, even with all so many faults. But that's really the power of this book. It is so well written and there's so many great parts in it, it elevates all the bad stuff. So there's a lot of faults with this book. There really are. It's not even close to perfect, but there's so many good parts that are just way better than I expected. That's that's why I gave it a four out of five. Four out of five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wrap this up, and you're going to have to do the ending, the ending where you can find us and all that.
1: Um, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll give that a try. So... Uh conveniently uh coleman's hiccup fit comes at the uh end of our end of our episode this week i i think we're we're confident that uh this is a good place to end it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i think
1: i think that'll do it. what a what a fitting way to end our our mega episode one
0: yeah we partied like it was 1996 <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is where it's led us to to ruin
1: Okay, so I got to tell you all where you can find us and um, I don't have it written down, so bear with me. First of all, you can find us on reddit.com slash r slash animorphs where we will be posting the episode and chit chat chitter running around. <laughs> so stupid. You can find us at our website, uh, thoughtsbecast.com. We have uh, an email address that we like to receive emails at thoughtspeakcast at gmail.com follow us on twitter the tweets at morphcast uh facebook is another one <laughs> come, come on down to facebook <clears throat> so that's it that's the end of our mega what a mega disappointment <laughs> what a what a mega lay to pit her out in the end
0: no this is a great episode <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh everyone just gonna hate us now
0: (laughs) i could edit all of this out if i wanted to i'm just gonna see i'm gonna see if it's funny on the second listen through
1: as stupid as it is i think it's golden
0: (laughs) (laughs) it really shows our personality no i mean you know i thought we'd have a couple uh, (laughs) things to drink and uh this is how it ended
1: excellent party on coleman
0: (laughs) all i have to say is that you know as much as we ended up enjoying this first Megamorphs book I'm glad that we have gotten past it and we can get it back into the main series and we can lead up to one of my favorite books in the series. You know, I think coming around episode 18 or 19 in between, we'll do Megamorphs number two in the time of the dinosaurs.
1: I think it comes before book 19. Okay. I looked that up.
0: So we'll be doing that one later. And I'm hoping that these Megamorphs episodes and and further on the Chronicles episodes become kind of special events. As I said at the beginning of the episode, like after dark episodes. So I
1: think, I think they're just going to be the ones where we get drunk.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we should get drunk and uh, whatever for each of the Megawars episodes. So whatever, (laughs) it's been good times. (laughs) Well, I've had a ball. Yeah, me too. So we will wrap this up. And as Mitch said, you can find us at all those different places and, (laughs) you know, give us a review on iTunes. (laughs) If you get a chance, uh, or, you know, thought speak, And you can find us pretty easily. Five star reviews. Look us up on ICQ. Five star reviews are welcome, or whatever you want to give us. We don't care. Send us emails, like he said, and we'll read you on the air in a normal episode.
1: Oh, we do have emails that uh, we're going to share in our next episode. A normal episode.
0: Yeah, (laughs) not a special blockbuster event episode.
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, speaking of next time, book eight uh the alien first acts book big deal and guess who's mega excited
0: i'm pretty excited too i'm more excited for book nine
1: i'll tell you right now you already read uh book eight but i am currently in the in the middle of book eight
0: and i'm loving it book eight is pretty awesome book nine is
1: eh, it's pretty well cool. pff, spoilers <laughs>
0: unfortunately listeners every once in a while me and mitch flip out and read ahead horribly <laughs>
1: I'm just following your example, buddy.
0: Sometimes we can't contain our Anwar's fandom, and we crap. Jump Coleman
1: read ahead five books. Damn it! Well, no, I guess I get to.
0: No, I just read ahead to book nine. I saved uh, Marco's book with the G. Uh, I saved that one for you, buddy. <laughs>
1: Why? Thank you uh, for thoughtspeakcast dot com. Uh, I'm I'm Mitchell, and I'm Coleman, <laughs> and we're. <laughs> We're signing out to go to better places, like inebriated slumber—the
0: best kind of slumber. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Get some water in your system, all right?
0: No, I'll be all right. Anyway, so yes, thanks, thanks for listening, and uh, hope you enjoyed this very special episode of Thought Speak.
1: Until next time,
0: young Andalite. Heidi, 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 ho.